0: Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday.
1: And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow.
0: Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today?
1: Let's, you brought up a victim triangle and how it might be relevant to persuasion. Let's talk about that. What, what is that?
0: Well, that's not a good thing to talk about at all.
1: <laughs> then why did you ask me? I think you're being the
0: villain here. <laughs>
1: hey, Snidely. Stop making me the victim.
0: Uh, well, you know, we can only make ourselves the victim, but yeah, oh. I mean, it, it's funny. We, we're, we're all familiar with this. We've actually either played these roles or witnessed these roles and uh, we'll, we'll get into folks what they are in a second. You'll understand, but, but this is really an unhealthy dynamic, especially, I mean, as in a team or when you're trying to persuade somebody in general. Um, so the victim triangle is the confluence of three different types of people. You have the victim, right? The the person who's always blaming others or or external things. And and they're always being, um, they're at fault. We know what the victim is, right? The victim sounds like, oh, this happened. That's why I couldn't do it. Or this person is belittling me or, right? It's everybody
1: else's fault.
0: And they have no control over their own lives. Then of course, there's the villain. Snidely whiplash, of course, and, and and the villain is, you know, that naysayer or the, he's belittling or he's trying to overpower somebody, you know, in a in a um, from a personality perspective, hopefully not physically. If there's a physical issue in the workforce, it could manifest that way. But that's that's a whole nother set of, you know, but most of the time, most people know in the workforce not to engage in physical uh, intimidation. Most of the time.
1: Nice. Yeah, and the villain also is the one who's turning down every idea and using other people's ideas. And, yep.
0: Yep. And then, of course, there is the hero. And, you know, a friend of ours, uh, Megan, she refers to him as the victor, just because she loves the three Vs here. And the hero is the, the person who comes in to try and save the day. Dun, dun, dun. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a frog. Sorry. doing what well, it- <laughs>
1: Bird, plane, frog. Wait, who's throwing frogs? Underdog. Oh. That's the
0: opening to Underdog. Neither there are bird, no nor frogs. Neither bird nor plane nor even frog. Just little old me. Underdog.
1: Oh, huh, you know things.
0: I'm older than you.
1: But I've watched Underdog.
0: Yeah. So I just
1: didn't speak English at the time.
0: His girlfriend's name?
1: Uh, hold on. Polly, Polly Pocket. Polly.
0: Almost something. There.
1: Polly delightful. Poly Something pure like Polly pure bread.
0: Right. So, you know, what's a hero do? What's underdog do? He goes in and saves in the day.
1: Well, and you see this a lot with sales teams who go in and, you know, sell, sell, sell and give their, you know, clients everything. But then they go back home to tell the ops team what they sold and they're like, "What? We can't do that." But they're playing the hero to their client.
0: Right. And that actually brings up a really interesting point because if you get in one of these roles, you will probably end up at some point in the other two. So let's take your example. You're that sales guy. So you're like, I've got this to the client. I've got the solution. This is perfect. It's, 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 well, what was that bit from uh, the outlaw Josie whale? It's, it's, um, It'll take out stains. It'll fix your diseases. You know that the guy in the white suit. Yeah, you, know, you don't know the movie. It's a great movie. No, that was before my time. <laughs> yeah, but it's evergreen. At any rate, it's Clint Eastwood. I'm sure. No, okay. At any rate, <laughs> right. So the sales guys out there are saying this this thing is the end all be all for everything. You know, new shimmer. It's a it's a floor dessert topping. Um, Saturday delicious. Night Live. No, you don't get that one either. I don't remember that one.
1: I'm batting a thousand today, Dave. I'm sorry. I am, I'm the victim because your jokes are bad.
0: I'm the villain here because my jokes are bad. <laughs> right?
1: Well, so I, that's a great example. How you know you make the jokes that I don't get. You become the villain to me, but you, then you're also the victim of me because I'm judging you, right?
0: Exactly. And and back to our point here, you know. So you're the hero to the client. You go back and, and Ops is like, you did what said what we could what we could deliver yesterday? What are you out of your mind? And all of a sudden you're the villain. The villain to them. And then what happens? You go back to your client and say, look, I know I promised you, you know, the day before delivery. Now all of a sudden you're the victim.
1: They won't let me, and I gotta do it a different way.
0: Right. We're supposed to be able to do this, but you know, those ops guys.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. You know how it is back in corporate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They tell us on one hand, we should do whatever needs the client needs. But then when we do that, they pull the rug out from under us. I have no control.
1: Yeah. And and the key is here to recognize these things in yourself. And I love that was a perfect example that you just said, how when we play one, we end up playing all three and we're playing all sides of the triangle um, and making other people that we're interacting with. Into these other roles as well,
0: yeah and before before we get into how we can um, uh, mitigate this and make it better and healthier, I want to point out and ask a very simple question what happens the next time I go back to that client
1: you become the villain well or the I,
0: victim e- either way, what's my ability to persuade bringing it back yeah. to you know I, I So I may have persuaded you in the first place, Uh but as soon as I move from hero to either villain or victim, my ability to persuade has been hugely degraded.
1: Because trust and respect goes (whistles) (whistles) right down, right down the tubes, like your whistle right
0: then, which is always down the tubes, (laughs) never been a particularly good whistler. So, so, what do we do? I mean, because you're a manager, right? And the same thing happens, folks, by the way, in the workforce, right? It doesn't matter whether you're sales, you know, uh, there, there's a conflict and you come in to save the day, dun, 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 right? And you say, here's how we're going to do it, right? And then what happens, right? And people start coming to you all the time to be the hero. They expect you to bail them out. Now you don't have time to do your real job. And then you go to your boss, well, I didn't have time to do it. I was too busy helping everybody else. All of a sudden, I'm the
1: victim. Them. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's the same exact scenario.
1: And then you got to go fix it with them. Oh, no, I can't do that. Now you're the villain. Yeah, you, it's the exact same with your own team. And so, you know, first step always is self-awareness, you know, and that's the beauty of concepts like this because you start to recognize, oh, crap, I do that sometimes. And when we know better, we do better. And so it's important, first thing, to be able to debrief on those moments where you're like, ooh, I think I do that in this scenario, or I do this when this happens, or with this person or this client. And having that self-awareness is the first step to emotional intelligence and to be able to transform it the way we're going to talk about in a sec.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I don't think we've talked enough, or if at all, about this. I'm, I'm just thinking back over the last you know year and a half, almost two years now, year and a half, I guess it's been... Uh, since we've been podcasting, but you know they say um, acceptance is the first step to correction, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't fix what you're not aware of, right? And so sometimes just being aware of that it exists, and then you can find oh find yourself. You'll I don't want to pigeonhole anybody, but there's a likelihood that many of us out there will still do it, even being aware of it.
1: Sure. Well, absolutely. And that's and that's the key. Like You learn a concept like this and it pings in your brain when you do it and you're like, don't, I just did it. And it doesn't mean you're never going to do it again. But the key is to identify, all right, that just happened. I wish I had done something different. And here's what I'd like to do next time. And by over and over repeating that little script or that plan, you end up saying, you actually end up catching yourself before you do it. Right. Putting the putting the gate between the thought and the plan and the behavior and saying, oh, wait, this is one of those moments. I don't want to do that. I'm going to do this instead. But it takes a couple of times and you got to stick with it.
0: Right. And there's, there's, you can speed up the you could speed up the learning curve if you take the moment, take a few seconds to go. OK, what was that scenario? What triggered me to become slash the victim slash the hero? It doesn't matter which one it is. What was right? Stop and think, because once you could identify that, then it's really easy to see it coming. And one of two things happen. like early on, you'll go like, "Oops, I'm in that scenario. I just said, and you stop and listen. I, I didn't mean to say that. And then you go to the ne- to, to the alternative role, which we'll discuss in a second. And then eventually, you'll catch yourself before you actually go into the role, right. right. And then at some point, you'll I won't say one hundred percent stop because you know we're human. But the, the the in the times the instances where you go into one of those roles becomes greatly reduced.
1: Right, right. And and these roles aren't just bad to other people; they're also bad to yourself. I was just thinking about it in terms of a romantic relationship, where as soon as I try to be the hero and say, "Oh yeah, that's okay with me. Oh yeah, no, I don't mind that," when actually now I'm building resentment within myself because when I'm honest with myself, I actually do mind. I then have to become the villain to my partner saying, wow, you know what? I'm not getting what I need here. And it's all your fault. And I'm not only the villain because I'm being angry with you, but I'm being the victim as well. So as I was thinking about it, it's not just taking the rug out from the people that we work with, but it's also taking the rug out from ourselves.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the reality is when we talk about persuasion and leadership, This is not strictly business. It's not like there's one set of skills for business and another set of skills for personal. This is just intra and interpersonal skills within ourselves and then how we interact with other people.
1: Yep, absolutely. And that self-awareness that you talked about is key, is that you get slowly, get better at it. The, The awareness of the moment comes earlier until the healthy way of interacting and, and taking part in these three roles, the healthy version of it, which we're going to talk about now, becomes
0: normal. Right. So we want to replace each of these with um m- lack of better term, a healthy version. Uh, you know, our, our coach Michelle talks about the shadow and the light side. So think of these as the shadow side. These are the dark side, the, the light side, right? Mean, so Rather than be a hero or victor, as 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 our friend Megan likes to call it, why not think of yourself as a coach? I remember when I was at um, Phone Systems Plus, the first job I had outside uh, out of the Navy, uh, right? You know, besides my first company, which I will, you know, it's different. The first time I worked for somebody, and I was a sales manager, and I hired my first sales rep because I built a sales force there, and in the beginning. He'd come to, you know, I trained him. I had a training program I created because he was brand new to telecom. I trained him and he followed me, you know, in addition to a formal training, like I preach, you know, today, test and all of that. He followed me around so he could see the application. Blah, 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 blah.
1: Professionalism number one, ladies and gentlemen, turn off your devices when you're in an
0: important meeting. I just wanted to model bad behavior for you. <laughs> So oh, trying to figure out how to do the focus assist on my new Mac here. Cause I'm not- Dave
1: was around when underdog was in its heyday. Thus, he's not great with technology. And next week on Disarming Persuasion Podcast, we will talk about generalizations.
0: <laughs> Why don't we just talk about falsehoods?
1: Nah, the multi-generational workforce and the challenges that come with it.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying that just because I was true around when underdog was in their heyday doesn't mean I'm bad with technology. Um,
1: Yeah, it just means you're old. I raced my 10-year-old nephew to the car the other day and I beat him and he looked at me and he goes, boy, you're old, but you're fast. I was like, yep, (laughs) don't forget it, kid.
0: At any rate, um, (laughs) so, so this gentleman... You know, he followed me, followed me around, and he's finally off on his own. Yeah, I'm just pretending that last little bit didn't happen. You and could
1: delete that out.
0: I could, but I won't because you know me. You know, I want to give it unadulterated. So, folks, yeah, if you haven't figured it out, there is virtually no editing to this. <laughs> Dan, Dave, and I don't even know my own name. Dave and Ann, unscripted. I went to go see <laughs> Dave and Ann, and it became Dan. Right, that's our
1: Hollywood couple name.
0: Yeah. Dan. Oh, can you see <laughs> Dan? You Dave or Ann? Yes. Um, at any rate, this gentleman, now that we've completely lost <laughs> the train of thought. He, you should probably start the story again.
1: <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't go ahead. We know where you are.
0: It was a Tuesday. Um, but at yes. any rate, after training, he would come up to me with questions that was co- were covered in a training. And in the beginning, I would go all the time. I'd be, oh, here's the answer. Here's the answer. That's the hero, folks. When you're doing that, you're the hero. At some point, I got so fed up with it, right? I started becoming the victim, the victim of his being the victim, right? His victim made me a victim. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be, and this was not a conscious thought, like I I knew about this victim triangle. I just know I didn't want to be a villain because I would demotivate him. And so I went, hmm, how do I answer his questions and break him of the habit of asking me? So I just would ask him, what do you think? And you go. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. So I need you to do something for me, Ed. Because we've covered this before. Go, go back. Come back with your best, best guess. What do you think the answer is? When you have a question, never come to me again without the potential answer. What a huge difference that made in very short mm-hmm. time. He stopped becoming the victim, and you know he himself was uh, became a creator. Because he would come with his own solutions.
1: Right. And, and, you know, coach, I always like to, when I'm doing my leadership trainings, I always like to really define coach as we're talking about it here. In the business setting, in the life setting, you know, performance coaching is different than sports coaching, right? Because sports coaching, I'm the expert. I'm the one who went to the Olympics. I know what you're going to do. I'm going to tell you to run laps. I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to do it. And maybe you get to go to the Olympics, too. Whereas in this kind of coaching, what we're talking about is drawing out people's own knowledge, drawing out their own ability to solve their problems and think through things um, and sharing your knowledge and experience with it. It's not giving them the answers and telling them what to do. It's empowering them to think for themselves and working through solutions together.
0: Yeah. And I would submit a sports coach also does that. It's that they wear the hat of coach and teacher or coach and instructor. Sure. Because depending on where you are, so, you know, you look at, you know, a a well-established, you know, uh, Tony Gwynn, when he was, you know, at the heyday of his career, and, you know, he was, you know, a 320 batting average. He didn't need somebody teaching him how to swing a bat or how to hit the ball, but he did need somebody to bounce ideas off of, to help, you know, okay, you know, Maybe see things that he doesn't see, which is what a coach does, um, and and extract his knowledge from him, right? And so, in that sense, a coach is all the same. I know, you know, a lot of times, you know, hockey, as you know, you know, I'm a huge hockey fan. What the coach is drawing up plays on the bench, it's not the coach telling the team. It's like you know, they're soliciting input because these are most of them seasoned professionals who are out there playing to go, oh, you know, these are our tendencies. Here's what we do. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And the coach is facilitating, not directing.
1: Okay. Well then just for those of you who aren't clear on sports coaching, like myself, <laughs> I like to make that distinction, but yeah, no, you bring up a great point.
0: Yeah. Well, I just thought I'd play the villain to you and make you feel better. <laughs>
1: That's all right. You do that a lot. I'm good. I'm just the victim here.
0: So, so we replace Victor or, or hero with coach. As I think I just alluded to the victim, you want to try and think about creator, right? So Mm -hmm. instead of, and this is is what happens, right? And this is what I asked Ed to do. Instead of going, oh, what do I do? What do I do? The train's barreling down. I'm tied to the train tracks and I can't write. How about sort of thinking, hmm, what do I do? How do I solve this?
1: Right and that's exactly the mindset you put your trainee in when you said don't come to me with questions anymore come to me with questions and a possible solution or answer having thought about it beforehand you've created a creator in that process
0: absolutely so so when i switched from hero to coach it automatically switched the victim to the creator
1: yeah and if you think about us at the beginning of the pandemic Everybody, some people sat in victimhood, but some people sat in that creator role and said, Okay, these are the set of circumstances around me. What do I do about it?
0: Yeah, I know in the speaking community, and you know, I started doing it, and I wasn't the only one. And I didn't certainly, you know, this wasn't like my brilliant idea, it was a lot of people's brilliant idea, but it's like, Okay, how can I help? I remember just thinking, All right, first of all, I thought it was going to end by the summer of 2020. Right, but didn't like, we
1: all? Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I'm like, okay, we just got to get through a few months. What can I do to help? All right. Well, what I can do to help is offer free webinars to help facilitate. And I remember just thinking, I just want to be a facilitator, right? I didn't want to like, here's how you get through the pandemic. I had no idea. I'm just like, let's put our brains together and I'll facilitate the conversation. And I got on webinars with a lot of associations doing just that. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the only one. And right. And, and, right. But then there are other people who just went down in their basement and hidden their little holes and, you know. Just went, oh, the sky is falling. What do I do?
1: Right. I can't do anything the way I've always done it because of XYZ. Yeah. And and as we think about, and I'll back up and do this with the hero to coach one, but as we think about that moment of recognition um, of victim to creator that comes when you think, oh, whoa is me. I can't do this. And then you make that shift to say, what can I do? How can I? affect this in some way. I mean, this is the basis of my dealing with the discomforts of change keynote. It's what can I control?
0: Right. Which isn't much and everything.
1: Well, right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's really looking at what's the reality of the situation. What can't I control and what can I, and how can I act on that to make stuff happen?
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, for folks, if you're sitting there going like, okay, but I don't. I'm not, and there are people out there. I'm not smart. I'm not creative. I'm not right. You you put yourself in a box like that. Here's what I recommend: ask yourself one of two questions. You could take this from one of two directions. One: what do we need to eliminate in order to make whatever I want happen happen? Right, right. So that's a problem solving approach where we're saying what are the problems that are keeping me from achieving whatever my goal is, and then how can I eliminate those problems? That's one approach. Mm-hmm. The other pr- approach is called a solution-based approach. And that's where you look at, let me, let me create the picture of what, what I, you know, I would prefer to have happen. What's what the perfect outcome? To, right. The perfect outcome. Thank mm-hmm. you. And then what do I need to add? What do I put into? How do we create this? Right. So that's a, that's a solution-based approach. And. There's no right or wrong. Sometimes, sometimes we we eliminate things and we make things perfect, or sometimes we add things and we make things perfect. It doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong, yep. but it's an approach.
1: Well, and the and what you're doing there is asking very specific questions rather than asking your brain, how do I, do, you know, what do I do, which is a giant question, right? With very like lots of different. Answers that are going to make your, you know, the self consciousness come into play. You're saying, okay, what are the problems? Well, this, this, and this. Okay, how do we solve one of those? Or what's my ideal solution and how do I get there? You know, what do I need in order to get there? You're asking for a very specific thing, which your brain's going to be able to zero in on a lot faster, avoiding all that, you can't, you can't, it's meh.
0: Right. Because when I say, if I said to you, and it's very similar, if I said, think Of someone, we think of no one, right? There's no right. parameters there. But the moment I can focus on the parameters, you think of someone over six foot tall, a uh, woman who has you know flaming red hair. Um, no, I'm not thinking of you, Ann, but you know, I was trying the- to think of a six foot tall redhead, right? And I don't know of any off the top of my head. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> um, but you can, but all of a sudden, right, you you said, No, not that one, not that right, yeah, right, and and it becomes really really much easier right and i'm trying to think was um was julia child redhead? Right
1: i don't think uh, so she
0: was over six foot she was she was
1: was she that tall
0: yeah she's huge she was cool and, and, and not only cool she was a spy for the OSS during world war ii
1: whoa yeah i'm gonna have to go get her autobiography
0: yeah very interesting woman so we've talked about you know a hero to coach victim to creator what do we now do
1: before we go on though let's talk real quick because I said we would about that moment of recognition mm. that will help you transition from hero to coach right if you start find yourself answering all the questions or trying to solve all the problems think to yourself how can I empower this other person to collaborate with me on this thing and
0: uh, that's Amazing, awesome advice. And let me add one more tool to this, which you just imp- was just implicit in what you said. But if we're asking questions and not making statements, we're a coach. Yep. It's that simple. If you find yourself wanting to make a definitive statement, you, and it doesn't have to sound like this, but it frequently sounds like, I want you to, you should, you need to, right? Very directive. Bite your tongue, get a band aid, and then figure out, what kind of question to ask?
1: Do you have a Band-Aid brand that sticks to your
0: tongue? No.
1: <laughs> Duck tape. All right. But I see, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's about asking questions and committing yourself to a collaborative conversation rather than a lecture. Uh,
0: exactly. And for our sales folks out there, by the way, this is it. You could You could ask questions up until the point they say to you, how do I get your product when you've never made a damn statement? If you do it right away, I've done that before. So yeah, they haven't said damn, but yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, awesome. And that brings us to villain becomes the challenger. Talk about that a little bit.
0: Sure. Well, so let's, there's two, two ways to look at this. One is as the coach, how do we convert the villain to the challenger? And then as the villain, how do we convert ourselves to the challenger? Right?
1: Yes. That's exactly my question.
0: <laughs> Which would you like me to tackle first, Anne?
1: Well, what what is the challenge? Let's start with just uh, who's the challenger. How is that a more healthy embodiment of this victim role?
0: Well, if you think about it, um, what did you say victim villain role?
1: Thank you, villain role.
0: Yes, threw me for. I got one. my
1: V's mixed up.
0: So you know, a villain very much, very often, right? They're they're negative Nellies about everything. They're belittling other people. They're bullying other people. At the same time, they also have this wonderful ability to see weaknesses by that very Mm -hmm. right nature. Well, what if you could channel that power for good and if instead of having them abuse that weakness, identify in a healthy way so that we can then make that a vehicle for change, right? We can then look, okay, here's an opportunity for us to improve. so, So as a villain, if we start finding ourselves going like, you know, God, you know, this person, they just, they just annoy the heck out of me. They're whiny, they're this, they're that, and the other thing, right? They're seeing that as a weakness. Okay. Then you ask yourself, well, what's their strength and how do I capitalize on that?
1: How can I empower that person to use that as challenging us to be stronger rather than just cutting everything down?
0: Right. Typically, a villain is somebody who, frankly, in my experience, and, and I, I probably, I don't know if I can make this as a blanket statement. But I will. Um,
1: And next week on Disarming Podcast, we'll talk about generalizations. Go ahead, Dave. I'm kidding. We might not.
0: General who? Uh, (laughs) Generalization, right. At any rate, um, but frequently villains are people who are hiding some sort of um, self-perceived, and I'm not saying it's there, but a self-perceived weakness of their own. And so protecting themselves, attack or be attacked is a viewpoint. Mm And if we can get them to find the strengths in others, then maybe they can find their own strength and start to play to their own best interests. And so, one way we do that as coaches is by looking for it ourselves in them. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so that, so folks, I know we're we're not video right now, but and look for a moment there, like Bambi. They
1: <laughs> Every yeah. once in a while, the original blonde gets a little bit, like, confused. <laughs> that was one of those moments.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I probably wasn't as clear as I could have been. No, I just got confused.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's helping to find, for those people who are being negative, helping to find the positive outlet for that making, again, committing to that collaborative conversation as a coach and saying, oh, you know what? You bring up an interesting challenge here. Let's talk about that and figure out how we can solve that. So you are empowering them to become that creator rather than just the villain. Now, Dave, I want to turn it around on you first. Do you want to add something there? Turn it around on you for a sec. What about the villain who is the bully, who is pushy, who is aggressive, who is, you know, in the sales perspective, it might be the person constantly just trying to make the sale at all. I'm going to scare you into buying this. Okay, perfect example. I had somebody buying, selling me eye makeup remover once, telling me about eye mites, little bugs that crawl into your eyes at night and eat your old mascara. And, and this is this, 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 particular multi-level marketing organization is telling their consultants this, and then they go and pass it on. And it's this fear tactic that whatever I do, I'm going to make sure you buy this thing because you need it, right?
0: Did, did you tell them, oh, if I have mites removing my mascara, I don't need your makeup <laughs> remover? Thank I you. I didn't think of it. I wish I had.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but so what about the... not? so you... chat. The, you talked about the villain side of the naysayer and that negative Nelly and the person who is always cutting down ideas. What about the bully, though? How do we t- coach them into becoming the challenger?
0: You know, I, I think, and that's a big challenge because, again, especially bullies, it's because they're protecting themselves. Mm. And if we can help shore up, if we have to, if we can help them identify where they perceive themselves, and I want to be real careful with my wording here because it, most of the time it's it's not this way, but where they perceive themselves to be vulnerable and then help them shore up that vulnerability in a healthy way, the bullying will probably stop on its own. Right? Yeah. Because once they realize when people become vulnerable themselves, and that's what it takes, it's them to go, listen, you know, this is what I'm really afraid of. And this is not, this is not a single conversation, guys. Uh, not in my experience. And, you know, maybe I'm, maybe it can be, it's just not my experience that it has been. Um, and, you know, you have to work with them. I'll be quite candid. I don't have a lot of tolerance for that. That's right. And so this brings up a whole nother point that may not be popular with a lot of people, but there's only so much grace in me, especially in business. You know, I and I feel for the individuals and if I can't help them quickly, I'm going to let them find another resource for their bullying because I I can't keep that up. It's not my job to make everybody better, irrespective of how long it takes. It is my job to make everybody better, but not at the expense of the company the The team, the 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 job,
1: the client. Yeah. Well, and and I think to a degree, when we find that person who's playing the villain, if we're looking at the external, we kind of need to play the challenger ourselves and challenge them to a different way of thinking. Because if you look, I just noticed this. If you look on both sides of this, the the healthy version and the not-so-healthy version, the not-so-healthy version, you start to look at what's the intent. The intent is to save. The intent is to win. The intent is to deflect blame on the unhealthy side. On the healthy side, it's really all about uh, offering a different perspective, right? With the coach, we're empowering the person to look at it in a different way. As the challenger, we're sharing a way to think about it in a different way. And as the creator, we're coming up with different ways to solve it. So we're looking at the options that are Collective based rather than individual based, and you know you make a great point too
0: that we'll hit at the end. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say you, you are right, and at the same time, you know, at some point you just got to
1: cut the cord. No, you are absolutely right, I, I absolutely right, and and this is the biggest challenge when it comes to leading people who aren't willing to, like you said, be vulnerable and say, I, I recognize that this is a problem, what I'm doing is a problem, and I'm ready to do something about it. I will, and,
0: yeah, And I will suggest, if you're seeing behaviors out of your team that you don't like, you might take a moment and see, where does that show up in my life? Mm -hmm. Your team is almost always a reflection of you. Now, not necessarily one for one, right? So, you know, you may, somebody may be protecting themselves and not being super vulnerable and you're just doing it a little bit, right? But it's there. Mm -hmm. It's it's not necessarily one for one. And at the same time, while you're working on you, that doesn't preclude you from putting responsibility on them as well and taking care of them.
1: Right. Right. And, and the key that I see about all of this sort of personal and professional development stuff is not seeing your weaknesses as faults or as malicious behaviors, right? Because none of us engage in this hero trying to help people with everything because we're bad. Even the villain piece, we're just trying to do our… Oftentimes, it's… It, we don't recognize the negativity around it or the impact of it it's not necessarily conscious it's not necessarily malicious and so by being able to recognize oh crap i was just doing the villain thing i didn't mean it and it still could have had a negative impact so it's my intention versus the external impact And Mm -hmm. when I can let go of the impact saying I'm a bad person, I'm able to say, okay, cool. How can I do this better so that my impact matches my intention?
0: Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is the villain becomes the victim when they start, if they don't think that way, right? Because every, every villain I've known, and I'm thinking of a woman, I won't say her name who worked with me at the moving company, eventually she moved on to a better opportunity. Thank God. Right. Um, and she was moving on. She she did it under her own power, but only because she saw the handwriting on the wall. And I guarantee that every time she misbehaved and she would yell and scream, she curse out people. You know, I don't mean customers, although she might have done that unbeknownst to me, but certainly team members. In her mind, she was always justified. Mm-hmm. So they become the victim. Right. Ooh, right. And I suspect I can't say this definitively, but we I know we talked the other week about the triangle of change, a triad of change. And I think similarly, if you can become the coach and become the creator, the victim will become the challenger as that environment I- improves
1: right. As you talk about being a role model as a leader, whether it's in sales or in leadership, Being able to be that great role model in any of these roles is going to help move people into the healthier triangle where we want them.
0: So I think we've probably gone a little long, folks. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. But I think that besides the understanding of the victim or yeah, the victim triangle and the healthy and unhealthy side, if there's one other piece to take from this, which we just alluded to at the end, your team is a reflection of you, not just because. You know, you, when I used to hear that, I used to think, oh, if my team does good. It makes me look good. If my team lo- looks bad, it makes me look bad, which is true. And I mean, the behaviors and personalities and everything you see in your team, what you like about your team, you like about yourself and what you dislike about team members, you probably dislike about yourself too. So chill on that for a while. And otherwise, I think until next week. We'll see you next week. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com.
1: And this is Ann Bonney at YourChangeSpeaker.com.
0: Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.